Hello and welcome to Books and the Biz. I am here with Vandros Idiaki and yes. Rich Veltre. I had enough trouble getting Rich's name right. I need to make sure I got yours right, Vandros. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so this is one of our first uh, interview sessions. So up until now, you've just seen uh, Rich and I on the, the podcast, but you know, we thought we'd change you up a little bit. We've been meeting some interesting people. Actually, I had a chance to be on Vandross's uh, podcast uh, a couple weeks ago. So this is a, a nice turn of events where he can talk about something that the two of us know absolutely nothing about. So Vandross, expect us to challenge you completely because we don't understand a lot about blockchain and whatnot. But um, so just to give give the uh, guests a little bit of background. So you are the owner of Moonboy Capital Ventures, and you specialize primarily in, in blockchain and helping B2B and B2C companies understand that a little bit better. So from there, I'm going to turn it over to you. Maybe start by explaining why why the name Moonboy Ventures. What's what's how does that relate to you? Yeah, yeah. So um, I help basically businesses if they need uh, funding. You know, in the Web three space, they're trying to launch a project. So from the pre seed stage all the way up to the Series A stage. So I connect them with you know incubators to help them do that too as well. And um, I also help B2C clients who want to get access to venture capital groups. Why is this important? Because then you're able to invest in projects earlier before they launch. So say, for instance, a project is launching at the public sale price. So let's say for this instance, a dollar, you would be able to get in at the pre-seed stage of maybe like 50 cents. So you're already up 2x on your investment before the project even launches. So a 10x from there would be a 20x for you. You know, um, so basically you're able to get your hands on these early stage projects that are building the future of the Internet. Cool. Um, yeah. Well, I think help us from there, because I don't know if a lot of people really understand blockchain and, and what the advantages are to that. And Rich, feel free to jump in anytime, because I'm sure you're going to have the monetary question, because a lot of blockchain for most of us is centered around Bitcoin or some variant. Yeah, thereof. Sure. So. Um, you know, we were kind of talking on your podcast or maybe it was after your podcast a little bit about, you know, how would you use this maybe to finance a company or maybe finance the sale of a company, that type of stuff. We'll get to that further down the road, but, um, yeah, I, I just want to kind of set the playing field here. So kind of explain maybe to us a little bit about what blockchain is and and why companies should be uh, interested or concerned about it. Yeah, there's many avenues that we can take. I'll tell you first a quick little personal story about me, like why I got into the industry sure. and liquidated all of my stocks. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I discovered this technology at the beginning of, of 2020. And um, for me, the reason that got me a little bit attracted to it was because my my stock exchange, my online stock exchange basically integrated Bitcoin into as a, as a potential uh, asset, you know, investment vehicle for you to purchase. And I was just like, okay, what is this? And for me, my, I'm just too curious of a person, <laughs> you know? So I was, because of my curiosity, I immediately went to Google, you know, which for those who don't know, takes like five seconds to go on Google and search up anything. I know people, you know, it, 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 the internet is endless of information, you know, you just have to use it the right way. And yeah. And what I stumbled across was the Bitcoin white paper and so I read the Bitcoin white paper and it blew my mind. It took me about a couple times of reading it to really understand. I had to research a lot. 
And once I once it all clicked, it made absolute sense because what is essentially so you know what happened in 2008 you know with the you know the housing crisis and everything we won't get too much into that but basically it, a pseudo anonymous person created this vehicle in which people could transfer money back and forth to one another and it evolved into a store of value to protect us from inflation and also counterparty risk of you know confiscation too as well and so why this is important is because there's a lot of issues currently, especially right now, with the Federal Reserve basically lowering rates and spending way too much money and putting much too much supply of money within the uh, system, right? And what that essentially is doing is if you're making $100,000 a year, every single year, let's say what their rates are, is, let's say it's 10% inflation in some places and 5% some whatever, your $100,000 you're making a year, it needs to become $110,000 and then it needs to compound. It needs to compound. So basically you have to produce more every single year because your wealth is being stripped from you. And um, it doesn't make sense long-term. It's not sustainable long-term. So I, I saw this as a really good alternative because there was a fixed supply. And I think the most important thing that I saw was that it wasn't controlled by anybody right so it was a neutral completely neutral asset the whole entire system is ran by code so to break it down basically with bitcoin because i don't want to get into the the other stuff you know but <laughs> bitcoin um you have basically a system where miners all around the world they're anonymous and they help to join the network basically download a piece of software join the network and the basically software kind of runs kind of by itself once it's set up and you can be rewarded in Bitcoin, right? That's the incentivization model. And so basically they help to, to verify the transactions on the blockchain instead of a intermediary doing it, right? And that's how a lot of the FinTech companies work like PayPal stuff and then they take a cut, right? The problem is that is that not everyone has a PayPal, not everyone can get access to it. There's KYC, all these different types of things. You look at a lot of situations, like if you look at remittance, some of the, the people are getting destroyed, you know, from remittance, you know, because they're every dollar they're sending back home, the remittance systems are taking 20%, you know, mm -hmm. if you're looking at like a, a Western Union or something like this, you know. And so what, what do I do then if I'm in, let's say, Iran, right? And I'm a U.S. working citizen or permanent resident, and I'm trying to send money back over to my grandma, but they're sanctioned, right? <laughs> so how, yep. how do I, how do I send the value over to them in, in time so that they can eat? Right? So same in Russia right now, you know, they're sanctioned. So what do you do when you still have a business? How do you then get receive money, you know? And so this is a way in which you can, you can uh, buy best, bypass the current SWIFT banking system, which comes with its counterparty risk too as well, which ties into, for instance, if you look at CBDCs, right? Um, because it's something, central bank digital currencies, for those who don't know, that those are what's being proposed in some nation states currently and to sort of come up with their own implementation of blockchain technology to streamline the process and also make it so where we can transact 24-7, right? Because mm -hmm. with, uh, the current system we have now, the banks are closed at a certain particular time and it takes longer a duration of time to be able to get your value from one location to another and so if the process can be streamlined through blockchain technology 
But the only issue is that the way that the government is trying to make it, it's so that they control it and they have the source code and they can change the source code. And that comes with its own risk because they can, let's say, maybe monitor, implement, let's say, a digital identity identity solution that's attached to, let's say, your, your digital wallet, which is what is being proposed right now. You know, it's public knowledge. Um, the E-Euro and um, the, the CBDC, Fed now, and these sorts of things have already um, started to be in the beta testing um, as of this year. And so the issue that you have um, with, with CBDCs is the fact that, you know, for instance, say you say something bad on, the, on social media or something, they could potentially stop you from being able to transact because of something that you said. I'm not saying that they would do that, but it's very, very dangerous because... There's no other system in place once all the cash gets phased out completely. So what do you do then when, you know, they stop you from transacting for whatever reason, you know, and you need to feed your family. And um, so it's a very dangerous thing. And a way to counter that is to have a neutral asset. If you also look at import exports, say you're importing and exporting between uh, one country. Let's say, for instance, um, I always I make the example of like the, you know, Kenan shillings. And say that they become a CBDC and then you have U.S. dollars and say, for instance, I'm trying to sell a coffee mug and um, you, I don't have U.S. dollars and you don't have Kenan shillings. And so let's say, OK, I will take your U.S. dollars as the CBDC and basically you'll give I'll give you my coffee mug. The issue is then the U.S. dollars or the CBDC gets stored into my reserves and now it's a counterparty risk for me because you can press a button and then turn off my entire operation whenever you want instantaneously with the CBDC. And this is a very dangerous thing. So uh, um, to neutralize everything, you could use a neutral currency exchange like, like Bitcoin to be able to minimize the counterparty risk. And it's something that no one can control and everyone has access to. And so that's why this solution came about because the problem is quite massive when you're looking outside of Western nations with people don't have bank accounts. There's I think in El Salvador, when I, I brought up somebody from El Salvador that's living there currently right now, that's from the States and um, uh, Francesco from Money Delix, he's also an influencer too as well. And we, we spoke about the issues in El Salvador about them not being able to have uh, bank accounts. And it's a huge problem because they have to drive all the way, say they're living in a rural area, all the way to the city, wait in line in the bank to then pay their bills. And so they lose time. That's an opportunity cost that they could be using to make more money. Right. Right. And so what Bukele introduced was to make Bitcoin legal tender because then it alleviates the entire necessity of, OK, you need everyone needs to get KYC. Some of these people don't even have documents, you know, so they don't even have a digital. You got to think outside of the West. You know, yes, in the West, we're all everything's more structured. There's social security numbers, all these things. If you look at areas in, in Africa, areas in Southeast Asia, areas in South America, people don't even have identification. They don't even know how old they are. They can't even prove any of that. So. How, but they still need to be economical, right? At the end of the day, they still need to be able to feed feed themselves and feed their families. So a way, a solution they can be able to attain value and extract value is through just downloading a digital wallet, which takes no KYC. Anyone can do it around the world as long as you have internet and send me Bitcoin and then I'll, I'll provide you my product or service. And so, yeah, that's just, I know it's a pretty... <laughs> Uh, huge amount of information I just gave you guys there. But yeah, that's pretty much the gist. But wait, there's more. Be sure to check out the other parts of Vandross's interview. We've got part two coming up very soon where he'll talk about how crypto can be a hedge on inflation. So be sure to check that out. See you at the next episode.